Welcome to Major League Success. On this episode, we have a, a very good friend of mine. We go uh, way back from when I first started in real estate. Um, Joel Hollow with uh, the Stasic Group at EXP Realty, um, and he is up in Cleveland. Hey, thanks for jumping on today. Absolutely, man. Welcome to the pub. <laughs> I was going to ask, is that like your basement? or? Yeah, yeah it is. Damn, I need to get on your level, which is what, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Because you know, with Major League Success, we're talking about um, you know sharing uh, your story, your background, um, kind of how you grew up, where you you know how you got started in real estate. So I just want to dive right in um, because honestly, there's probably some things I don't even know about you, um, even though we've known each other for for nine years. Yeah. Um, so what was what was growing up like in your household? Were you um, did you have like uh, entrepreneur parents? Were you an entrepreneur? Uh, what was what was little Joel like growing up? Yeah, no, honestly, D, all the above. So I did. I grew up in an entrepreneurial ship, if that's even a word, family. Um, <laughs> so my dad owns and still owns to this day, but he's <clears throat> pretty much retired, kind of passed it down to my brothers. Um, he owns a uh, company called King Builders. And um, so I grew up in the, in the construction industry and he's done everything from <clears throat> huge subdivisions to uh, custom builds, you know, one-off custom builds to uh, kind of what he does now. Um, when the market kind of shifted a little and not many people were building residential, um, he has a couple of really good partners that own uh, plazas, um, shopping plazas, yeah. and large shopping plazas. So when people like Starbucks come and move in, he's the guy that goes in and does the build out for them. When someone moves out, he, he destroys it, preps it for the next client to come in. So um, I had a big, you know, I was pushing lumber, man, from when I, I was, I was, I was running machinery and pushing lumber from when I was so little. No wonder, it, it no would wonder not fly you're, nowadays. But, no wonder um, you're, you're such a good shape now. <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm telling you, man, it was literally all day long. Be, they would deliver the largest bunk of lumber you've ever seen and it's, it was Joel's job to move it and I'm like and that's all I did all day long so um, I was I, I'm like you know what this isn't really for me and but you know I kind of which got me started into early careers when um, so I got into architecture actually and not okay. many people know this about me but uh, throughout high school um, I, I I did like it was one of those half day uh, senior years and, and, and I worked for this uh, small architecture company in my, uh, in my hometown. And um, it, it was fun, man. I loved it. I loved every bit about it. Just the, um, you know, dealing with clients, listening to what they wanted, making it come true, you know, under, and I already knew construction, like the back of my hand. I knew, sure. you know, um, I knew how to build a house. So therefore I knew how to draw a house because I had those, that foundation already instilled. So um, went to college. I played a little bit of baseball at um, Lee University. It's in Cleveland, Tennessee. And so uh, I, I, was, I was always kind of drawing houses for a little extra money while I was there for, for people. And uh, it kind of kicked me off to uh, starting my own architecture company uh, fresh out of college. Interesting. So, yeah. And so I did that from, get this, from 02 to 08. Okay. And so, uh, it very, it was a successful company. I was drawn about 250 houses. Um, still to this day, I love it, but it was, it was, it's a blessing that I got into real estate. So market crashes in 08 and Joel goes from drawing 250 houses a year 
literally to 33 houses. Now, now when you say, uh, I'm just curious because I didn't even know this, this, still this part of your your life uh history here drawing houses were you were you helping with like were you kind of like freelancing or were you like working with specific builders or custom builders or yeah so when i was when i was my own uh, uh when i owned my own company it was i specialized in in, in new builds okay. um, with builders and so that's how i got into and you've heard the story and i'll kind of dive into it i know i yeah. breathed through the whole childhood but honestly um, I lived, I lived a good life. You know, my, my parents are, um, they're super successful. I learned my work ethic from my dad. He, he literally instilled in me, you consistency first in last out. Yeah. And that kind of always hits me. And it's very proud for me in the mornings when I pull in and I, I got the hour ride to work every morning and I pull in and I'm the first one in yeah. and you know, someday. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, and, and, and he, well, here's the deal. Like, he, if I wasn't, he would come back. Well, he wouldn't come back. He's here, but he would whoop my ass. <laughs> you know? yeah. And he always asked me, you know, how's work? You know, are you giving forth everything? And he also made it very clear to me that um, it's okay to, to help other people make money. Right. You know? And that's kind of like the position that I, I've been in, like, um, you know, leading real estate agents, man. Like I take their success super seriously. I want to see them succeed. Yeah. So, um, all right, so then, kind of, kind of jumping around a little. So, so the market crashes in '08. I actually took my real estate. Um, I took the classes in 2002. So you were, were you planning on doing uh, kind of like your your dad's path of of custom builder? Yeah. Slash, hey, if I can if I can manage the whole project from start to finish, and and then even sell the real estate. Yeah. Is that kind of what you were thinking or? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And so I, I wanted to, uh, because I enjoyed all aspects of it. Like I really did. I enjoyed just the, the it's the interaction. It's, it's seeing people's dreams come true. I mean, and right. that's, that's just true. It's like, like letting them choose the individual parts of the process and putting that puzzle together. And if they're not happy with something and, and what I wanted to do different is I was with those one with the builders who a lot of them, not all of them, you know, I'm still very good friends with some of them to this day that do a really good job, but some of them were just surface level. You know, you had three choices of siding. Right. You had, you know, if, if you wanted to move this wall after the, the, the project was completed, it was impossible. And I hated that. Like, why, why, why wouldn't you do it? Everything has a cost. And I'm not saying to, to, to make it up with somebody, but if you're very fair to them, it's going to be a very fair process throughout the whole time. Right. So, um, I mean, it was, it was really cool diving into the whole architecture aspect of it and, and getting, like, I was the very first stepping stone in that whole process. And I did, I wanted to be part of everything. And I, I ended up doing that later, but I took my classes in 02, thinking that I'm going to do both. Like, here we go. And I never got my license. I never took the test and I just held it. And then the market crashes in 08 and literally 75% or more of my income gone that fast. And I talk with my dad and I'm like, dad, like what, what, what do I, do? what do I got to do? I don't understand. Like, should, could I come to work with you? And he's like, he goes, here's the deal. He goes, you know, you, you're, you're you own your own business. Mm -hmm. There's, there's pride involved. There's ego involved and stuff. And he goes, you got to put that stuff aside. You have to do what's best for your family. Um, I literally, my daughter was two years old when this happened. And so it was, um, I had to make a move and I'm like, Oh, I, 
I took my real estate classes six years ago. <laughs> so I called the, I call the state and I go, Hey, are these still good? And they go, they're good for 10 years. I go, Holy shit. Like <laughs> I, I would have never guessed that. So now I'm studying like crazy and I didn't remember a thing from these classes. <laughs> And and this wasn't when they had online classes either. <laughs> no, no. And so I'm 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 busting, just trying to get you know get it all re-racked into my memory. And so I go to take the test, and because of this, I did. I failed the first time. Went back. Finally, uh, you know, ended up getting it the second time. But um, and so the idea though, I had this grand idea of hey, I want to get with my builders that I had. Let's put together, like, I'll sit in your model. I'll, I'll be able to do the design work for some client that comes in. It'll be like a little perk of, hey, look, here's our proposal to you with a nice little design. And, um, and also, I'll sell their house. It's like a little one-stop shop. Yep. So six builders right off the rip hired me. I, I cannot be in six models at one time. You know? right. right. So it was very, I, it was hard to please all of them. And so it, it kind of, I had to whittle it down to about two solid builders that did the most sales. And so the first five years, man, I was new construction. I, I sat in their models day in and day out, missed every Buckeye game, missed every Browns game for, for years. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was horrible. It was a, it was a rough, rough life. Well, I was just yeah. going to ask, I mean, like, you know, you you go from drawing homes, the market crashes. So you already have experience in the, in the real estate world. What made you want to, you know, what made you want to stay in the industry, basically, when you knew it was all falling down around you? It's all I knew. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it, it's, it's truly all I knew. I, I, um, I, I, tr I do believe that I could have made it work, um, you know, with, with just a little outside thinking. That's what I've learned from where I was until where I am now. You know, it's always, and you and I just, uh, you know, did a training the other day and we were talking about this. It's always what that, what's that next thing and constantly evolving your, your, uh, your business yeah. to, to the next, the next best thing and testing things out and monitoring it and knowing your metrics. I didn't know that stuff back then. Yeah. It was literally houses come in, houses go out, invoices go out, money comes in potentially, you know, it's, that's all I knew. And, um, but when I said it was a blessing, so I, when I got into real estate, finally, I, I realized that it, this is kind of a one-of-a-kind industry where the more you put into the money-generating activities, the more money goes in your bank account. It's true. Yeah. As opposed to when back in the architecture days, I constantly had people throw a project on my plate. And, it, and here's a rush job, Joel. Joel didn't get paid more for a rush job, but he's staying up till four in the morning, going to sleep for two hours, coming back and, and finishing it in, in, in days. I mean, yes, I made money a little bit faster, um, you know, because of that, but it was, it was, it, there was so much stress involved, uh, time away from people and everybody gets into real estate for a reason, right? Which is yeah. they feel it makes their own schedule. It's their own time frame, And it is, but I was already disciplined. I had that instilled in me. And then it was just a matter of dialing in those money generating activities and watching those volume buttons crank. And, and, and it was, it's, it was bad and good for me, right? Because I fueled those areas and then I coasted and yeah. fueled the areas and coasted. And I've learned that that's not the way you got to do it. But 
Um, so it, I, it was actually a fluke that I kind of tripped into real estate. And then I honestly, I bounced across the bottom like a ping pong ball for the first five years. Yeah, I was just, I was just going to ask, I mean, <clears throat> and I'm sure, you know, we'll get to the point where, you know, you switched over to the, out of the new build world and, and into the, to the re- residential side of it um, a, as an agent. But what were those first couple of years? Like you said, you're in the new build world for five, five years. What? In the industry for five years with straight new construction. Yeah. So what was that like? Was it struggles? Was it success? When you did make that, and one thing I'm always curious about, I ask everyone on the show, um, when you did make that switch, and your family may be a little bit different, but when you did make that switch to go into, you know, the real estate sales world, did you have doubters or did you have supporters? Oh, um, well, you always have, you always have doubters. You, I mean, both. Yeah. You know, and um, I, the weird thing was, is that, I, so I see a ton of new agents coming into the industry. every single day for some reason i have the biggest family you've probably ever met i mean my dad has 10 brothers and sisters i have 43 first cousins it's crazy. my sphere of influence i should have literally been able to to sell 40 houses a year just on that alone and i didn't sell any and and everyone's in everyone's in cleveland well it's it's no because it's yeah for the most part a lot of people are but i i'm part of the older crowd in, in in the family so i had to wait until all my cousins you know grew up to be able to afford houses nobody else was in, in ahead of me a couple but I right mean, right so it wasn't i didn't have that sphere of influence yeah i had my aunts and uncles um but they're pretty settled you know they're not moving around when they did they did come and list and sell with me and buy but um it's very it's far from few amazingly so the first five years honestly man it was it was horrible. I, w- I was doing both. I was, I had to draw still on the side, right. not on the side, but you know, like in, on, on, in the afternoons in order to make ends meet sure. um, just because you were selling, you know, I was sitting in five, six, $700,000 houses. During, during one, of, one of the worst recessions that was, <laughs> that has ever happened. It's a great time to get into real estate and new construction. <laughs> and that was the biggest hit in our area. So, um, and, and luckily the builders that I was selling for, they got, they got lucky because I saw a lot of builders that were stuck with 10 models and, and, and 60 lots yeah. and they, they all went belly up. The builders that I had just happened to be either coming out of subdivisions or financially very set. So um, we had a really good relationship, but man, it beats you to death. There's, I mean, and, and I know they're going to watch this. And, and like I said, I still have very good relationships with, with some of them, but man, it, they beat you. They beat you to death back in that market. They did. Sure. Cause everybody had to, had to give. So the builders had to, they were selling for a lot less. The realtors had to put more time in the realtors weren't getting paid on, on top dollar. They were getting paid on, you know, base prices and stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes not even. Um, And then even when they would have to do a deal, they'd still go back and negotiate off the commission. So, you know, it was just, it was, it was rough. It was a lot of work for, for very little reward and a lot of not, you know, no appreciation going on, you know? Sure. Sure. I mean, everyone was just trying to do what they could to get by. That's all. I got in on the tail end of that. I was, you know, I got licensed in 2011. So um, I didn't get to go through all of the, the joys of, of that recession. But so what made you want to switch over to be a full-time real estate agent? So um, it was by, so, so I started my career at Remax. 
It was a mutual agent in the industry. Um, she actually sold for one of my builders prior to she left. I kind of went in because they were looking for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but I was asking her and she goes, you got to go meet with this um, broker over at Remax. Um, he's just a great guy. I didn't interview anybody else. And honestly, I, I, I always tell people, go interview, find the right fit. Back then, I, I, I got lucky because this guy is still to this day, his name is Dennis Steed. He, uh, stellar guy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so lucky that I got to start my career with him. Um, he, great guidance, great broker, um, just overall top-notch leader. And so uh, started with Remax and my now business partner, Al Stasek, worked for Remax. Mm -hmm. I didn't know Al. What I knew of him, I hated the guy. He was the <laughs> most annoying sales guy I've ever met in my life at the time, right? Sure. And so, you know, what I didn't know, I didn't know. And I'm just telling you that because it, I'm being transparent with you. So yep. he, so he used to come, he was part of a different office, but the same brokerage. So he would pull in in his BMW. He would walk around the office, screw with everybody in the office, move stuff around on the desk. And I never forget, he, we used to have the sales board. Um, way, it was in the front of the brokerage. So when everybody walked in, they saw what the sales numbers were. Well, me and this other guy, our names were, were uh, right after each other alphabetically. Well, this other guy was probably the, the top bank-owned um, um, agent in, in the area. I mean, this guy was selling, I don't know, 50-plus bank owns a month. So he had all these hash marks. And then there's Joel with, like, one, two, none. And Al would always come and switch our names. People would walk in asking for me to meet. They're like, oh, who's Joel? Who's this top salesperson? And I'm like, what are they talking about? I come up and I look. I'm like, Al Stasek, unbelievable, man. And, you know, he just, he always just rubbed me the wrong way because, A, he was successful. He figured it out. He was successful in a bad market. Um, and he would just mess with everybody. And I couldn't figure it out. You know, I, like I said, I didn't know what I didn't know. But so by chance, he happened to be doing a deal with a, uh, one of our mutual real estate buddies that I've been golfing with for years. And uh, he called me and he goes, hey, Joel, me and Dave are going out for lunch. I, you know Dave. Why don't you just come out with us? I'm like, cool. So I had lunch with them. Dave leaves and it's me and Al. And Al goes, what's up? I'm like, it's not the what's up brother that I think you, you mean. I mean, just go ahead, ask me. He goes, what are you, what are you doing? He goes, I can, I can sense there's something going on. And I go, man, Al, I just, you know, this whole real estate thing, you know, I'm, I'm going to be fine, but I can't figure it out. I'm thinking about maybe switching brokerages. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he goes, do you have 15 minutes at five o'clock today? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess. He goes, on your way home, stop by my office. Give me 15 minutes of your time. That's it. So I show up. And there's a six pack of beer on the coffee table in his office. And I'm like, I know where this is going. So <laughs> 15 we, minutes is in 15 minutes. <laughs> right. 15 minutes would end up being two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. And so he, um, he dove in and he's just like, let me just show you what, you know, how, how, how a complete team operates. Mm. And it was very hard for me because when I say, you know, I, I brought up ego being involved even though I swallowed my pride and my ego and I kind of jumped into real estate, 
essentially working for other people. I know you're independent contractors, but working for builders, I felt like I worked for somebody sure. else. I had signs everywhere. I honestly had more signs in our tri-county area than I would venture to say any other agent in the area. I literally had all, because why? All my vacant land listings, all my models, everything. I had signs all over. So people thought Joel Hollow, like that was a huge name, and it really wasn't. Yeah. Because signs aren't sales, and especially in that market. <clears throat> so for me, I was like, oh, but I don't want to lose my name on the sign. That, you know, I love seeing my sign, and everybody walks in, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're Joel Hollow. Now, was, though, now was Al starting a team, or did he already have one? Al already had a team. I'm sorry. So yeah. he had a, a successful team. Uh, I want to say when I joined, it was about seven or eight agents. Okay. And, um, and they were good agents. I mean, like <clears throat> really good agents. And I just, I, I didn't know how the team operated. So when I sat down and he told me I had to get over the pride thing, <clears throat> I, I sat down with our broker too, Dennis. And I said, this is kind of, I mean, and, and I go, Dennis, I know you don't got a dog in the fight because we're both part of the same brokerage. Right. You, you still retain me. Right. This is what was like, talk to me a little bit about the team. And he goes, you know, Joel, I think it would be really good. Um, you know, it, it, it would be good for you. Um, it would plug some holes in your business. And I'm like, all right, fine. And uh, I just, I made the jump. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to overthink this. Let's just do it. So I literally, go what, ahead. Year, what year was that? 2000 and. 13 okay uh is when i joined al i literally didn't sell a house with him in the first six months hmm. and so al was having one-on-ones all the time with us and six months went by so so here let me explain this real quick after al showed me all the leads and the processes and the systems and the lead generation and the um the, the follow-up campaigns and the drip campaigns and the you just flip a button and it, and it gets it, it, it interacts with them so what does Joel do? Lee comes in. I'm like, all right, go ahead, interact. <laughs> well, Al, I sit down with him after six months, and he looked me in the eye, and he puts his arms on the desk. He goes, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, what, man? I thought this was going to work itself. He goes, no. Like, that's a backup plan. You got to work. Yeah. And what I was doing in the meantime, though, is I was doing design work to make ends meet. So I was, you know, uh, and, and one of my favorite quotes by Darren Hardy is, you know, you could be mediocre at a couple or a few things, or you could be world-class at one or two things mm -hmm. you choose. So either spread yourself thin and do a mediocre job at a bunch of things, or you focus in and be world-class. And it, that kind of got me thinking, I'm like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me, but I never pulled that trigger. Al sat me down and he goes, here's what I want you to do. You call your builders and you fire them tomorrow. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, I'm nervous, right? Because I got all these listings. I got all this, this, this. And he goes, let's go look at how much money you've made on these builders in the last six months. Yeah. Nothing. You're not losing anything. Fire them and let's focus on what I know works. Yeah. Because I want to groom you to be one of our best listing agents. I want you to work with buyers as well, but I want you to focus on, on listings. I will set you up on the appointments with my ISAs. You will understand the process. You will go through it and you will just be a listing maniac. So uh, I fired him. It was, it was weird, but 
dude, the, the, the amount of freedom just by firing them, it was the biggest weight off my chest. Yeah. And then the next step was my architecture program was a, it's a cloud-based program. So it was a monthly payment to keep it going. I stopped making the payment on, on purpose. Yeah. So it would shut out. And whenever someone would call me and say, and, and even to this day, I haven't drawn a house in, um, man, I don't even know, years. Uh, I'm going to get a guess, five, six years. Um, I still have people calling me, Joel, you know, you did this drawing for me. Can you just modify it? I don't have the program anymore. I'm sorry. I can't do it. You know, and, um, do, but, uh, do you miss it? You know what? There are parts of me that do. I mean, honestly, just, just, just the whole, um, it, it, so, but they're very similar, right? Real estate yeah. and, and architecture. Yeah. Like when I was saying, finding out goals of people, listening, uh, making their dreams come true. And what I loved that I brought to the table is when someone would tell me like, like, like things that I would do um, for everybody, whenever they would come in and just have me design their house, I would always do without even asking extra wide staircases in the house. Why? Because I grew up with a custom builder that would say, this is why you do this stuff, Joel. You don't even ask. <laughs> extra, extra high basements, you know, always, you know, whatever it was, you go that extra mile because you can't change that stuff later. So right. that kind of stuff that, I mean, honestly, I really did like about it, but I honestly could say I, I drive to work with the biggest smile on my face every single day. And I'm, I'm grateful that I'm in this industry, that I'm in the position that I am, and that I get to deal with agents and clients every single day. Yeah. And I'm curious. So, you know, the first six months, you know, you get, you're on Al's team and, and you don't, you don't sell a house. You're, you're supplementing your, your income by still doing some side work, drawings, things like that. Yep. Um, basically by you getting rid of all of your distractions, was it, was it just like, just like that? Or did it take a little bit, a little bit longer for you to really start to get that momentum going? Cause you said, you know, and I was the same way when I was really out actively selling I, I got very good at knowing when I had to turn it on and then turn it off. Yeah. And then I could, I could, I could leave it off until I knew when, you know, everyone has a threshold and typically it's a threshold in their bank account. Yep. And, and then, you know, the way that we, you and I started in real estate, our, our internet leads, it really helps. It really helps your business be predictable as opposed to, um, you know, other ways of, of creating business. And I'm not saying internet leads are the only way to go. Right. But back then there was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, you know, 100 leads equals one to two sales, three if you're very, 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 very good on, on the phone, but typically internet leads convert at 1%. So then it's just a math equation from there, right? Yep. All right, 500 leads, there should be five buyers or sellers in that, in that bucket. I got to go and find those five, or, five buyers or sellers, right? And it's literally turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on. And, and some agents are great at that. Some agents really struggle getting the momentum to go back. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, once you got rid of your distractions and you really didn't have any other way to, to make that income, was it, uh, did you see that instant momentum or did it still take a little longer? Yeah, no, honestly. So there was, I, I know the trigger. I know the literally almost the day that it happened. And it, so one of the agents in the office, she went out of town Well, being a small group, we were like a family. Uh -huh. So she goes, Joel, I need your help. I literally have nine people I'm dealing with right now. These nine people at any time they need to go see a house. And then three of them are literally right now that I already have houses set up. Um, can, can you handle my business? 
in all actuality, what she was saying is, is you're the loser that's, that literally has nothing in the office and you got the most time. I'm going to need your help. Yeah. And so she was very, um, man, very gracious. She, she literally gave me one of the clients like myself, like, nope, you, you took it. You, you take this and run with it. Thank you so much for your help. And so I, she was gone for like, I think it was just 10 days. I was so busy with just her work alone. And I'm like, Wendy, what, what, what's going on? Like, how, how does this work? And so, uh, she, uh, she's, she just explained it to me, build your pipeline, follow up with this. And, and she was the one in the office every single day, following up with it, doing the work. And I'm like, and it kind of triggered me to, oh, that's what I have to do. So luckily when the client was a doctor, um, awesome situation. And I ended up getting that commission, which kind of helped out obviously, but then it taught me on how to do the follow-up, you know, and, and the cool thing about Al is it wasn't, there's no hand, hand me outs, handouts yeah. at all with him. Um, and, and that's, and, and don't get me wrong. He's the most generous guy I've ever met. But what I mean by that, he didn't like, I, I wasn't sitting back waiting on, okay, I, I need these appointments that you promised me. It doesn't work right. that way. I right. proved myself and then he delivered. Yep. And that's where honestly my career completely changed. So where you and I met was with NAEA the National mm-hmm. Association of Expert Advisors. You know, at the time, it was arguably one of the largest real estate coaching associations nationally. Um, man, talk about career-changing stuff that went on. Yep. Um, you know, you and I, we met in Dallas, um, and they have this home-selling system, a home-buying system. I, I literally, I coach for them now, and I train on this home-listing presentation, the home-buying presentation. Man, it is literally life changing and so that was the next step is al was like man you got to understand this listing presentation and i'm like no man i don't there's there's this is it's phony i don't understand what you mean <laughs> you, in, you talk to somebody you take pictures and you list their house yeah well that's not what you do right especially in a bad market right so he took me to what they call a boot camp and um it dude light bulb went off I'm like, I was pissed that I was there. I'm thinking, okay, here we are. We're at a seminar. They're going to sell me a bunch of bullshit. I'm something I'm not going to use. I don't even have the money to buy it right now. And then they didn't sell me a thing. It was all value. Here's how to run the most successful real estate business from the number two Coldwell Banker agent in, in the world, from the number four Coldwell Banker agent in the world, the number one KW agent in the United States. Like top dogs created these systems and got together. Yep. And then they're handing it on. And so when they started talking about the, uh, the presentation and they gave a live presentation and then they wanted you to come up and role play with them, it was like that light bulb boof, went off. Mm. And man, I, it, 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 it was not only life changing in business, but it was um, personally too, because it taught me the importance of processes and systems yeah. on every single level. So I mean, even with my kids, having a process for everything, having systems. And so, um, man, it, it, after that, I came back and I was like on fire. Um, we had ISAs in the office that were setting us up on appointments, like listing appointments. And I'm talking day after day after yeah. day. And I, I would just go in the exact same presentation, the exact same clothes, exact same contract, 
yeah. all the way through the whole process, man. Yeah. It, it, that's where it, it, it changed everything. And that goes back to the, it goes back to helping your business become predictable, right? Like for our team, like we want to make sure, I mean, we, we, the way, you know, overhead view of, of the Columbus house team, and I'm sure you guys are the same way. And most agents should set up their business this way is think of like a McDonald's, think of a Wendy's, think of any fast food chain. There's the fries go in for a certain amount of time, a certain way, right? The burgers go in for a certain amount of time or cooked a certain way. And that's why you can have teenagers, you know, operating those, those systems within the restaurant. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing in real estate. It's just a different business. You know, it's putting the systems in place and then doing the same thing every single time to where it's consistent. Yeah. And, and it, what, what it taught me was, you know, what, here's what human nature does is, is I want to go from point A to point Z as fast as possible. And, and the human wants to skip steps. Mm. And that does nothing in, in life and in business, but the illusion of speed. Yep. And that's what I've been trying to teach my kids. It's like, you know, this is, man, even with what we're dealing with now, they're doing their homework and their schoolwork from home um, virtually. You know, it's like they want to get from point A to point Z so fast. So they skip steps. And then what happens? It, the illusion of speed kicks in. They're happy with how they got here, but then the hurdle comes and they're just, they're, they're circling right back to the steps that they skipped and it ain't worth skipping. It's more actually more efficient to take your time and go through each step. Yeah. Do it. I mean, real estate, there is no instant gratification. That's the hardest part that, that agents struggle with is there is no instant gratification. Yep. You have to be comfortable in the process. Yep. And so it, and, and, and you have to stick with it too. You have to trust yeah. that process. Yeah. So, so Al and I later thought it would be really cool with my, my construction company. Why? I don't know, but it sounded really good, man. So we started Bayshore Homes and Outdoor Living. And one of our specialties, I kind of, we, we kind of got everything together on all the builders and why they were so cheap and why they were cutting corners and they would spend a dollar sometimes to save 50 cents and it wasn't worth it. We're like, hell no, let's give everything to everybody. Let them choose where they want to cut and we'll just make a flat fee on the house. And then I realized why builders get paid what they really get paid. <laughs> because so, it, it, and I'm just throwing a number out. This wasn't the number. So imagine if they make $30,000 on a house, like a flat fee. Sure. And it takes nine months to build the house or 10, round number is 10. That's $3,000 a month that they just received. Yeah. Now divide that times the amount of hours they're spent on the job site. Uh, going there, uh, found out that the nails weren't delivered. They have to go pick up the nails, go drop them back off. Go meet, a, go meet the next contractor out there. Tell them what you want. And then go back out there the next day to make sure they showed up. You're putting gas in your fuel in your truck. Don't forget the flat tires from the nails being in your tire. <laughs> and it's like you, you end up making about $2.50. So this is why builders get paid the money that they do. It yeah. is a management fee. And I gave pushback, and it's true. They truly are following a process that I couldn't do. So now I went from a successful real estate career to let's start this construction company. And what did I just tell you before? You can only do a mediocre job at two things. So therefore I was focused on new construction and this ends up kind of deflating a little. Yeah. And I'm like, 
so we built two houses. One happened to be for my friend. It was a big, bad house. I mean, like, absolutely beautiful house. I mean, to this day, I walk into it. I'm just like, I get, I get goosebumps. Just knowing what went into it yeah. and what he got out of it and what he built it for, man, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to pass that on down. Um, we got a call from a sign because they saw not only the job we were doing, how clean we were on the job site. They wanted us to build their house. And when you, when, when you go over budget in situations like that, it's a flat fee, flat fee, right? Everybody goes over to new budget and new construction and that money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. Well, we, I made the mistake of, so there was, there was an upgrade. It was say it was a $3,000 upgrade. Well, the electrical wasn't done in the house yet. So the homeowner would say, well, let's just pull that from the electrical budget. And then we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll even up at the end. Okay, no problem. And then the electrical came and then they would upgrade that. And I already pulled from it. So then we had to pull from, we were playing catch up with all this stuff. And then when it came to the end, there was no money left. There yeah. was not only no money left, our fee was eaten up and everything. And so it was, it was a managing nightmare. Um, we ended up, man, just, we, we ended up having to pay people to build their big, beautiful houses. And so we, um, we built two and said, no more, <laughs> no, no, no more. And, and, and only because we did it the wrong way. You know, okay. it's like for any stuff at the money that they make on it, it's, it's real. Like they do that for a reason. And, okay. um, because a lot of time, attention, expertise goes into it. And, um, and I see that and I, and I truly wish I still had, I I'm glad every opportunity I have zero regrets. Yeah. I, I wish that I did it a different way. I wish that you still give people a break on things yeah. during hard times, but I wish that I would have managed it differently and, and got paid on a different level. I gotcha. So now I want to, okay. So you, you had the construction. When did you take over as far as, um, and we got, you know, 10, 15 minutes left here, but I don't yeah. want to take all your, all your time, but when did you kind of switch over into more of the management style uh, position for for the team well so it kind of happened at the, around the same time where al um oh actually this is a really good story so um <laughs> i i re remember it like it was yesterday i was driving back from vacation with my family from outer banks and al calls and uh, al's got the best timing put it this way for everything the dude either Either he's got the office bugged and he knows we're talking about him, so he always calls at the right time, or he gives you the bad news at, at the worst possible time. And I don't understand how he does this or why, but <laughs> he's got that little knack. So he calls me and how was vacation? I'm like, great, we're driving back right now. It was literally our first family vacation, first one we could afford up to this point. And he goes, well, um, so we ran some numbers and your close ratio on listing appointments are not where they should be. And uh, he goes, so I'm going to pull you off of listing appointments. We're going to get you some more training and then we'll slowly implement you back. And I'm like, man, I know my close ratio. Uh, what is it? And I think, I can't remember what he told me. Uh, it was, it was something under what, what we wanted. Okay. Sure. I think we wanted a 45%, a 40% close ratio. And we, I was at like a 25%. And I'm like, that's not right. So. I go, here's the deal, Al, could I run these numbers for you? Because he got them from somebody else. He goes, yeah, no problem. He gives me all the data. I re-ran the numbers. I put it in this beautiful spreadsheet for him, all these charts, graphs, and everything, and I shot it over. I said, 
here's the actual right numbers. And he goes, oh my gosh, man, I, I'm sorry. I should have looked into this as a leader. You know what? I just, I believe somebody else and I didn't double check the numbers. Um, and so I, he goes, you did such a great job. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And then I, it was like, yeah, I can. But once again, I'm, an, I'm doing a mediocre job at everything else because I'm focusing on this for you. Yeah. So then we instilled a little bit of pay involved with that. And then that's when these houses came on. So I was still getting a little bit of money. Um, which allowed me to kind of deflate some other things and focus mm -hmm. on that. But it was still, I think um, it was definitely, it was, it was a good experience, but it was the wrong move at the wrong time. Yeah. And uh, so that's how, how kind of how I got into, uh, into, into leadership. And that was, I want to say that was in, man, I don't even know. It was, it was September 1st for a fact. Um, it was either in 15 or 16. And um, he started calling me his office manager. Yeah. And so, um, but that came with roles and responsibilities. Yeah. And what I learned is that roles and responsibilities, whether it's on a personal level in, in a household, and I'm not saying one person has this role and responsibility, this has the other, but establishing that and communicating that is the biggest thing. So Al and I were married uh -huh. and I had no idea what the hell I was supposed to do every day. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, he likes the way I track numbers. So I'm not only going to track these numbers, I'm going to track these, the, the numbers that I track with this tracker. And then I'm going to track that one with this tracker. And it was like, it was great. And we ran I, our, our office, like the military, dude. It yeah. was, we had a, we had a, a group of about 12 badass agents and it was the finger in the forehead. You said you were going to do this. Why didn't you do this? We had meetings every single week. Um, and it was literally, here's the leads you got. Tell me what happened to John Smith. When was the last time you called him? What, you know, and I was like dialed in like that and they were doing a great job. And then we realized that that's not the way you run a business. Uh -huh. You can't, I'm not saying it's the wrong way. Right. Um, right. We, we, we ended up changing it up a little and we met the agents where they were, where they were at. And, and what I mean by that, and this is, man, this goes for everything in my life, you know, like assuming someone is where you're at or where you want them to be is the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And we assume that everybody wanted to crush it. Yep. And we had an agent on our team was overwhelmed and like crying and like, that's not what I want to do. I want to sell this many houses per year because I have a family. This is more important to me. And I sat back and I listened. I'm like, we're doing it wrong. We need to meet them where they're at and provide them anything at their fingertips towards their success. We need to facilitate the environment towards their success and not assume that they want to be where we want them to be. Yeah. And so we, Al and I would sit down and one of the other mistakes we made was we would set all these goals. We would set the company goals yep. and then we wouldn't meet them every month. And we're like, why do we suck? And we sit down and we're, look, we're like, because there are goals. We're not listening to what the agents want to do. Yeah. So then the agents started communicating their goals to us. And then we started setting our goals according to that. And then we found out they were crushing their goals. So we were setting them up for failure, yelling at them every day. Yeah. I think there was uh, two, you know, two conversations that Ryan and I had at, at probably right around the same time. One was a, a real estate agent up in, um, New York I want to say he was in Brooklyn or the Bronx and when we went to Zillow headquarters in New York and he you know he told us you know because we were the same way right we wanted a small team of 10 agents that you know sold 20 to 30 houses a piece 
And, you know, it was pounding your head against the brick wall because that wasn't their goals. So this agent in, in New York told us, hey, always, always do agent attraction. Always attract, always attract, always attract. And then I think it was a conversation that you and I had around that same time. And it was talking about meeting the agents where they're at. And it was the same thing, right? Like, so now like we still kind of have a team goal, but we also let the agents set their own goal. So we have, we have certain numbers that, that Ryan and I would like to see. And that number may be completely different than what the agents numbers stack up. Which is fine. And, and, and that was kind of our mindset shift of, oh, okay, yeah, let's meet them where they want to be in their business and, and tailor what we're going to provide them to what they want. And then they're happy, right? It's all about making, you know, I was listening to Gary Vee and uh, one of his podcasts the other day. It's not about, he, you know, he said something along the lines of, I'm okay losing money short term for long term. Right. So it's basically like, I don't want an employee just for a year. I want an employee for life. I want an employee for 27 years. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was right around that time, you know, we, we spoke and it was kind of like those two things, like always attract and, and, and then adjust our mindset as, as team leaders and management of, yeah, let's meet them where they are. So that way they're happy and they stay happy. Yeah. Now there's certain things that are still certain expectations and things like that, but, um, but no, that's no, I'm right there with you. And that was a huge, huge, huge mindset for us. Mindset yeah. shift for us. You know, not to jump subject here, but it, so do you remember when we actually, I mean, yes, it was in Dallas, but when we actually met and how we met? Well, so I'm, I was thinking you must've been an agent because I, I joined Ryan in 2011 yeah. Um, which was uh, like the end of March because I graduated college, I think the middle of March. I think I started with him within like two weeks of graduation. And uh, so I was his admin for the first year, which I'm pretty sure that October was the first NAEA. I think it was still Kinder Reese at the time before NAEA um, conference that I've been to. But I can't remember if that, that was the first year or if it was the next year when I was actually selling real estate. Because 2011, I was just an admin. I was going through my classes. I don't remember, you know, which year it was either, but so funny story was Wendy, that same agent that I was telling you about that kind of gave me her, you know, her business to deal with yeah. when she was out of town. What, so we fly, we're flying down and Wendy's sitting behind me on the airplane and airplane lands and she goes, and, and she, Wendy was a, a, just a free spirit, kind of a, 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 just a goofy personality. And she goes, Joel, you know, what would be really fun is let's, Let's try to find the most unique person and introduce each other to, and the winner gets $10. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, Wendy. How about we just buy each other a drink? And she goes, that's, that's perfect. So her name was Wendy Conley. You, uh, at the time, had a gentleman named Tom Conley on your team, and Wendy was married to Tom Conley. <laughs> so not, not, not the same Tom Conley. I'll right, right. So I, it, we're, we're, so we're sitting there at the meet and greet. We both got drinks and she's like, she goes, Oh, look at that. That person looks unique over there. And I'm like, no, nah, Wendy, that doesn't count. Oh, look at this person. That doesn't count. And she goes, well, I'm bored. She goes, I got drink tickets. I'm going to go grab a drink. Can I get you one? I go, yeah, no problem. She comes back with two drinks and this tall gentleman. And she goes, Joel, I want to introduce you to Tom Conley. And I'm looking, I'm like, all right, you win. And so Tom was on your team and that's how we all kind of started interacting a little. And then it just so happened 
year and hour and a half away from here. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, man, it was history. I, must, I think that was 2000. That must have been 2012 because that's when okay. Tom joined our team at the time was 2012. Um, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's funny. Um, so I want to skip ahead here because we've got a couple of minutes. I want to make sure I get these, these last couple of questions in just because, um, you know, I'm curious and I think it would help our audience here. What's, um, what's one thing that you're looking to accomplish in the next 12 months? And it can be business, personal, whatever. Man. All right. So uh, those are great questions. So I, ha I, ha I have both. Um, here, on, on business, when, we, when I told you that we, we had that group of 12 just badasses, yeah. uh, we changed that mindset. And, all, and you said you have company goals and then the agents have their goals. And I do that for a reason because they're normally company goals, agent goals. Yeah. And what is it going to take to get here? And what I learned is all, all real estate problems when you run a team and you solved by agents. Um, so we switched our mindset to, um, the more agents that we have on our team, the more lives that we have the opportunities to help change. Mm -hmm. And it's true, dude. It's not like this, 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 um, bait and switch thing, or it's not like, Oh yeah, Joel is just trying to, you know, be this good guy on camera. It's truly that way. Um, when we sit down with them, I want to know what their personal goals are. What are you going to do with this money? You're telling me what you want to make. What are you going to do with it? And I remember specifically Megan, who's still on our team, said to me, um, I want to, this year, this was, this was last year, I want to take my family, uh, be able to financially take them to uh, Disney. In August, took her family to Disney, and I'm texting her. I'm like, I remember that very first thing, and you got yourself there. And, you know, we worked on it as a team. Yeah. And so things like that, dude, like that, and when I say agent count, like, that's, that's, that's what I want. We have a team of about 42 agents right now. Um, our goal by the end of the year was to get about a hundred agents on our team and that that'll never stop. I want the most amount of agents because I want to change their lives. It's not about the money. If anybody knows how a real estate team operates, the more agents you have on the team, the more money you don't make. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. Financially, we, 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 <laughs> I'll disclose this. We, we made more money when we had an agent, we, a 12 person team than we do now. And it's not about that. It's about the experience, the culture. It's about the changing their lives. So that's, that's my business goal, man. I want to get the most amount of agents and change the most amount of lives. And my other goal is to add the most amount of value to anybody that I come in contact with. Um, you do the same thing, man. You do, you know, you, you have your major league success. I have expert mentors live. Um, we're constantly training agents and i get agents that ask me all the time from other brokerages why do you do this like why are you training me and you're you're, you're telling me all your dirty secrets all your secret sauce to business when and, and i just i answer them i mean that's what we do we just add value yeah. you know it's it's i it's that simple yeah you know um and then i mean you know personally is um just spending time, you know, with the kids and, and setting that up. And I found out what's, what's important. You know, I, I went through some changes in life and it really like re reestablished thought and, and, and mindset um, and, and appreciation for others yep. in, in, uh, in my life. And so, you know, I want to, I want to do things with, with my kids, you know, I want to um, like one of my goals is I want to be able to take a long weekend somewhere with them every single month you know, a mini vacation every single month. And I'm already, you know, I'm doing that. 
but you know, not with everything that's going on now, but yeah. I've already have plans for that. So, you know, doing that and um, you know, just appreciating the people around me that I, I, I know where I failed at in the past. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. I mean, it's all about, you know, for me, it's all about helping, you know, cause like what you said in the beginning, you, uh, you got lucky with finding that first broker, you know, at Remax, right. I yep. got lucky that Ryan was my first and only mentor, you know, that I, that I had, right. Like I didn't go anywhere else either. So, um, no, that's a hundred percent because most agents don't get lucky. Right. So, um, cool. So what's one thing that you're looking to do in the next five years, business or personal? Um, man, I like what I do. So, I mean, if five years is, is there a big goal that you have? Do you do like a five-year goal? Yeah, of course. I mean, we, we, yeah, we definitely do. And it's ever changing. You know, that's what I've, sure. I've noticed when, when life gets, gets handed to you, uh, you know, things, things change and you tweak it along the way. But and the biggest honestly, thing I think is it's okay. Right. The biggest thing, you know, like it's okay to, to make changes. Right. Yeah. I mean, our bit, my biggest thing is, is, is just the growth of the team and, you know, being able to provide with, with, with the amount um, or the increasing rate that we're just attracting agents, um, being able to provide them the exact same services and support on that level and make sure things that, you know, don't get diluted. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so I always like to end with this one question. Um, if you could give our audience one piece of advice that you wish you had about real estate when you first got started, what would it be? Or, or in general, if you, one piece of advice that you wish you had. Yeah, no, I mean, it, so I had to understand what the definition of success was for myself. Um, so, and I, and I, and I stole it actually from our man, Jay Kinder, you know, and, and I, and I think success is doing what you want to do and you want to do it with who you want to do it with. And, and truly real estate is, was that, that avenue for me, you know, and I didn't know it. So the things that I had to learn, um, you know, effort in the right areas, understand what the money generating activities were and fueling those areas. And, and honestly, like everything it's, is the consistency. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I always use the example, everybody's heard it, but you know, we go, what does everybody do? They all of a sudden decide they want to start working out again. Mm -hmm. They go and they work out and then they look in the mirror and there's no change. It's, that's it, the exact same way with that in business and in life. It's, it's doing it again and again and again, and the persistence will pay off. I mean, it always does. You could do anything in life over and over and over. And I promise you, you'll get better no matter what it is. That's what humans do. Yep. I don't care if it's put me on a volleyball court. I've never played volleyball in my life, but if I do it for two weeks straight, I'm going to get better. And then if, if I do it for a year straight, I'm going to get better. Like you're going to constantly get better. Same thing with, you know, stick, stay at it. Same thing with making phone calls and scripting. You're going to fail, but I promise you you'll get better and you'll learn from your mistakes and, you know, just being open to being open to being wrong. I mean, is a big thing is, is not giving up. Being open to failing because you are going, it's going to happen. The only way you succeed is to fail. Right. Yeah. And, and you got you to play big, you know, I mean, my, my coach, still my coach to this day, which I owe a lot to John kitchens. Mm -hmm. This dude is unbelievable. Um, just a, a coach in general life, 
business, personal, spiritual, whatever you want to do, this dude is money in the bank. I'm lucky enough to call him my coach. And he always told me, he's like, you, you play, you practice big and you play big. You practice like a professional practices. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he goes, what I mean by that is he goes, what does Tiger Woods do after he's done shooting 18 holes? Goes and practice. Yeah. He drops 200 damn balls on the range and practices. He goes, are you doing that in your real estate career? And it all boils down. He always told me, and, and it was like, it's, it's, it's the obvious thing, but the silver bullet in real estate is effort. Yep. You just got to make effort. 100. Yeah. But, but the problem is, is that people, people like to uh, substitute their comfort for a paycheck. They'd rather sit in, in bed until 10, 30, 11, 12, not even work after that, turn on Netflix. It don't work that way. Mm. It, it's, it's, and, and, and I guess, I mean, I'm bouncing all over the place here, but it's not a get rich quick. You know, and I turn a lot of people off by telling them that, but it's my job to be truthful and transparent. Yeah, you make a shitload of money when you sell a house, but you got to sell that house. There's, 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 there's steps in that process. That's about following the process. So that was one of my biggest learning curves is that there's, you know, you said it, there's no immediate gratification, man. You have to, you have to have that hunter and the farmer mentality. I have to, I have to have that blood in my eyes to call people, to find out who the owner of this house is, to, to relentless pursuit to get a hold of them and they're going to either tell me to go to hell or they're going to tell me to come over and list their house or you also have to be the farmer and plant that seed and watch it grow and weed it and water it and nurture it and and you know and then when it comes time to harvest it that's when you harvest it you have to have both mentalities no, I love that. I love that. If um, just to wrap it up, if there is, uh, you know, what's the best way for our audience to reach out to you? Uh, maybe they they just resonate with your story. They want to get to know you more. They want to hop onto your um, coaching and pick your brain. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, man. Uh, honestly, our uh, our little digital business card is uh, my. It's joelhollow.work. Uh, there's no W on the end of hollow. Everybody always does that. But it's uh, Joel, H-O-L-L-O dot work. So uh, everything's in there, all the information about me, along with a link to my calendar. So um, I add value back to the community. Calendar's free. Utilize it. Awesome. Joel, I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you for for coming on, sharing your story. Um, And uh, I look forward to uh, our continued friendship and working together in business and and I'm sure I'll be, well, as soon as football season, if, if it gets rolling, I'm sure I'll be coming up to Cleveland to watch those brownies. Well, I owe you a trip down to, uh, to Seabus, man. For, uh, you, you do, because you ditched me last year. It's my <laughs> turn. It's my turn, man. So, yeah, no, I will be down. I appreciate you and having me on, man. And, yeah, I mean, just uh, what we've been through. And it, it, it's just being able to bounce stuff off each other. You and I interact all, all It's amazing, man. I appreciate you like your brother. Oh, I appreciate it. And guys, if you want to follow uh, Major League Success, um, you can follow it on every single uh, social media platform. It's on podcast under the title Major League Success. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Joel. Later.